How many of you have been blessed already this week? If you have, say amen. And uh, it's so exciting to see all that God's doing. If you haven't been joining us, uh, we've been going live on Facebook every morning at 10.30 a.m. And um, this week, we've, we've made our focus teaching on the covenant right of divine healing all week in the morning time. The covenant and the title that we've been calling it, Unlocking Your Covenant Right of Divine Healing. Do you know Jesus' precious blood paid for your healing? Can you shout amen? And healing belongs to you. So it's not something that God just sovereignly picks and chooses who he's going to bless. It's something he purchased for his children. And uh, we have the ability by faith and through the word to take a hold of the covenant rights that belong to us through the word of God and through redemption's power. Amen. And uh, one of the things we got into, I think it was yesterday. Pastor Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong. might have been today. But we were talking about how so many people, they look at what Jesus has done and they just narrow it down to the salvation of your spirit. That he took you from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive and they stop there. And in fact, that's all they believe Jesus did. But there are many blessings of your salvation. In fact, we got into it last night. You know, we were the joy hit this place last night. And the Bible said in Isaiah 12 and verse 3, that with joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. So your salvation contains wells that are filled with the blessings of heaven. And I told you that on Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to me. He said, uh, I want you to take every session that you preach in this revival kickstart 19 he said and take the people to revelation chapter 5 and verse number 12 and let them see the seven redemptive benefits of salvation and so if you are just joining us for the first time tonight or online i want you to turn with me real quickly to the book of revelation and chapter 5 and i, I want to read to you verse 12 uh, from that passage so you can see wh exactly what we're talking about and uh, it's so powerful this you know this is so powerful in my family that every night before bed I've got my girls confessing these seven things over their life and so I'll say all right Maddie Brooklyn we're getting ready to go to bed but let's and after we say our prayers and sing our songs they'll say all right say it with me I am powerful and they say I'm powerful and I say I'm you know I'm wise and they say I'm wise I'm wealthy I'm wealthy I'm mighty I'm mighty I have honor I have glory I have blessing I'm getting that into my girls and my son's spirit at an early age because it matters what you believe it matters what you believe see because what you believe turns into what you think and what you think turns into what you say. And what you say turns into what you do. And before you know it, see, these seeds start working for you instead of against you. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in people's life. Their seeds are working against them. Their seed, you know, everything you do is a seed. You, you hear the word seed in church and everybody thinks, oh, oh, it's an offering time. He's taking an offering. A seed is more than a financial seed. Every word you speak is a seed. And do you know, even if you're not a Christian, we learn that lesson at a young age. Because you remember what they used to tell us, don't you? If you want to be, if you want to have friends, then you got to be friendly. If you want to have friends, then you got to be, you know what they were teaching us? That seed time and harvest is a principle that works in every area of life. You can't be nasty and expect to create friends out of that. 
It's seed time and harvest. And so if you want love, you sow love. If you want peace, create peace. Amen. That's a word for somebody. If you don't want drama in your life, if you don't want to go from stress to stress, issue to issue, problem to problem, then don't create drama. Don't create stress. Don't create problems and issues. And when you create that uh, peaceful atmosphere, you're sowing a seed that's going to reap you a harvest of peaceful atmosphere. Amen. And so a seed is everything you do. And so I'm training them at a young age to see this. But let me read it to you. It's uh, Revelation chapter 5 verse 12. Said the angels were around the throne. And they were saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive. I always stop there just so people know. Jesus died to receive some things. He died to receive some things. What are they? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive. Power. And wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Seven things that came through the shedding of Jesus' blood. He died to receive them. So the first service when I preached Sunday morning, we dealt with power. And then on Sunday night, we dealt with wealth. Because Pastor Brian was preaching and I was taking the offering on Sunday night. And then Monday night, I dealt with, which was last night, I really got into might. Because joy, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so when you get into the joy, you get into the might of God. So last night, we were really getting into the might portion of your redemption, that you're mightier than your enemies, you're mightier than the devil, you're mightier than sickness, you're mightier than disease. How come? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you stand up in that kind of an anointing of joy, then it doesn't matter what the devil sends against you, you've got the anointing to overcome in every situation of life. Somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. I feel faith in the house tonight. And so you, you need to understand that when you see the redemptive benefits that are attached to salvation, it expands your thinking far more than just, well, it's fire insurance. That's how some people te- treat salvation. It's fire insurance. It makes sure I ain't going to hell. No, it's far more than that. There are blessings that will actually take place here on the earth before you get to heaven hallelujah i dealt with it today you know in uh, when we were talking about divine healing pastor brian was here with me barrett was here and i talked about that the bible says in romans 8 23 that paul taught even your physical body was redeemed by christ not just your spirit not just your mind your physical body entered into redemption when you got saved he has redeemed your body You know what that means? Jesus loved you so much that he took an extra step on the way to the cross. You know, he could have just gone straight to the cross and been nailed to the cross, shed his blood, died, and redeemed your spirit. But did you know Jesus took an extra step on the way to the cross and took stripes upon his back? He didn't have to take stripes other than to fulfill prophecy. He could have just saved your spirit. But he said, no, I love my children more than that. I'm not just going to save their spirit. I'm going to take stripes on my back 
so that while they're on the earth before they ever get to heaven they don't have to suffer with sickness and disease and Peter the apostle gave it to us in 1 Peter 2.24 and he said by whose stripes you were healed hallelujah and so Jesus is interested in doing more for you than just saving your spirit he's interested in giving you power over the devil he's interested in having your finances blessed he's interested in your body being healed he's interested in your mind having peace and joy he's interested in you having wisdom even beyond your years he's interested in you seeing a full redemption in every part of your life by his power can you shout amen and so tonight I wanted to show you something because what is wisdom? And I'm going to give you just a, uh, I'm going to give you just a, uh, a snippet of this because true wisdom, in fact, the book of Proverbs says it this way, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean we're afraid of God. Anybody, you know, that reads that scripture, we need to understand. We know it means to reverence him or to respect him. I reverence God. I respect God. I'm not afraid of him. He's my friend. He's my heavenly father. He gives good gifts to me and you. I preached on that, that every good gift comes down from God. Every perfect gift comes down from, I'm not afraid of him. He's not out to get me or destroy me. He's out to bless me. Hallelujah. And so I, but what the Bible's teaching us is, is that we reverence him and we respect him and we revere him. And if we're reverencing and respecting him, then that means we are also reverencing and respecting his word. Because you can't separate God from his word. He is his word. The Bible said in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. That means God is his word. Hallelujah. It goes on to tell us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was full of grace and truth. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mighty word made flesh. So you can't separate his word from him. He is his word. That's how he can send his word and it heals them because he don't even have to get off his throne. He can just speak the word and things have to change because his word carries the same level of power as his physical being. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. So when it said that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, we understand that we don't just revere and respect the person of God, we, we reverence and respect the word of God, which means that I have set my life up in a way that I will obey the word of God, because if I respect it, I obey it. And what I was reading the Bible recently. And something junk. It's good, you know, when you're a preacher to read the Bible in a recent type of way. I was reading the Bible once 17 years ago. No. I was reading the Bible and this jumped off at me. Jumped off the page. I was like, ooh, I never saw it like this before. And this, this messes with a lot of people's theology in this generation. But I want you to look at John chapter 14, Gospel of John. This messes with people. It messes with theology that's being preached right now in our country. This, this whole, what we call, 
the uh, hyper grace movement. You know, if you've heard this hyper grace preaching that, you know, you can do anything you want to do and it don't matter because God, the blood of Jesus forgave your past, present, future sins and your actions don't matter anymore because it's about him. It's not about you. And, you know, all this stuff they try to teach you now, it's not found in the scripture. In fact, the scripture teaches the exact opposite of what many of these greasy grace preachers are preaching. And so you need to understand that you like that term you take that for yourself these these greasy grays these sloppy wet kiss preachers are preaching there's something that the bible says that's different than what they're trying to say and you can find it here when i this thing hit me in the gut when i read it i was like oh jesus i'm gonna be preaching this till the you know till jesus comes and and john 14 21 maybe it's because i caught it in this translation like i'd never caught it before but look at the 21st verse of the gospel of john chapter 14 jesus is speaking by the way that's what the red letters mean they didn't run out of black ink at the printer <laughs> the red letters mean jesus these are his words and he said it this way whoever has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me and watch this and because he loves me he will be loved by my father go further and then i will love him and manifest myself to him the nasb says and disclose myself to him but catch that right there the purest truest picture that you love god according to jesus is that you obey his commandments he said there's you know talk is cheap anybody can say they love me anybody can say they're with me anybody can say they're anybody ever had a friend like that you probably have people in your life i'm with you man i'm with you till the end I, i'm look i'm i got your back no matter how long you go into any problems i'm with you man. and then you never heard from them again for five years you started dealing with something, you had an issue that came up in life, an attack came against you, they lost your number. What happened? I thought you were supposed to be with me. You had my back. You were my closest friend. Men can fail you, but God will never fail you. The Bible says he is a uh, one that will stick even closer than a natural blood brother would stick to you. Jesus will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. So a lot of people can say they love him. A lot of people can say they're sold out to Jesus and that they're with him. Walk. Peter did that. Lord, if I have to die with you, I'll die with you. I'll go to the grave with you. And he was all talking big talk until some little girl came up around a campfire and said, Hey, aren't you one of those guys that used to hang with Jesus? And he started cursing and swearing. I don't know what you're talking about. You, don't, you got the wrong You don't know me. Huh? What happened? He flipped talk is cheap and he said god said i'm looking for action and he said the one who has my commandments and obeys them it is he who loves me and because he loves me he'll be loved by my father oh stop right there because i'm gonna show you something that god doesn't love everybody the same thanks for all the shouts see when god sent jesus to the earth for redemption's sake that was his act that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he didn't even do that because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. But once he did that, that was his action to give you redemption. But he said, after that, I'm going to give you my word. And then it'll be up to you to prove whether you love me or not. And if you obey my word, it'll be proof 
that you love me and because you love me I'll love you back and my son Jesus will love you and he'll manifest himself to you see not everybody's qualified for the manifestations of Jesus but the people who obey God's word are next in line for a blessing and it doesn't matter who doesn't want you to be blessed it doesn't matter if the devil's trying to keep back your blessing the government can't stop it corporations can't stop it Facebook can't delete your account what I came to tell you tonight is there's a power in the Holy Ghost that when you obey God's word it puts you in position for the blessings of heaven somebody shout aloud amen so when we fear the Lord we obey his word and when we obey his word it unlocks the blessings of heaven somebody say the blessings of heaven and one of the things that we want, and it's, it blows my mind because people want this, is that people, I've seen many people that say, well, I don't know, I, I want God, you know, they want God to do all the blessing, but they don't want any of the responsibility. But I know that if, God, if I want God something, to do something powerful in my life, it means I have to do something first. Whew. Somebody say, seed time and harvest. Let me ask you a question. Did anyone ever tell you that you can control your own seasons in life? Has anyone ever encouraged you with that thought? You can control your own seasons in life. Because you'll have people preach to you, and it sounds like it's some kind of mystical thing. I'll tell you, you're about to come up to a season, and when the season unfolds in your life, I tell you, there's a double portion coming on you in this new season. And when this season begins to unfold, stuff like you've never... You're like, my God, it's like a movie. I don't know where the season's coming from. It's like... You think there's some magical season that's going to show up and there's no way to know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what governed the season, how to get in it, how to get out of it. Some people in a season they don't want to be in. Like, my God, I'm ready for this season to come to an end. Who's been there before? I'm ready for this season to be over. And you didn't know. You heard somebody preaching on TV and thought, my God, is I guess God's going to just choose when to get me out of this nasty season. I'm ready for a good one. But God doesn't determine your seasons. You determine your seasons by your obedience to his word. Oh, my God. Let, let, me, let me show you something real quick. In the book of Psalms, one of my favorite passages of scripture, the book of Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3, this is the New Living Translation. I love how it renders it, the NLT. It said, all oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers but they delight in the law of the lord meditating on it day and night now watch here's the promise for people that live like that they are like trees planted along the river bank look at this bearing fruit in each season how many seasons in each season how many seasons in each season and their leaves will never wither and they'll prosper in all they do see that blows the whole theology up right there well there's seasons brother where you're on the mountaintop and some seasons you're in the valley he never promised that the cross would not get heavy <laughs> and the road would not be hard to climb that ain't in the bible 
Because he did promise that. He said, are any of you weary or heavy laden? Come unto me and I'll give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say it's going to be hard. Jesus didn't say, hey, come. look, any of you uh, weary? Any of you carrying a heavy load? You think your life is rough? Come yoke yourself up to me. I'll show you what heavy is. I'll show you. You think you got it hard now? Become a Christian. I'll show you what hard is. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you're having it hard because you're living outside the covenant. You're living outside my blessing. But if you got a heavy load, if you're weary, come to me. I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Somebody shout light. Not heavy, light. You serve Jesus, he don't make your life harder, he makes it easier. I said he makes it easier. You know, people like to quote half scriptures to you. They think they're spiritual. Well, I know what Brother Ted preached the other night, but you got to remember the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, take your Bible out and read the other half of the scripture. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Not out of some, not out of a few, out of them all. I told you last night, it's scriptural to be challenged. It ain't scriptural to be defeated. It's scriptural to go through an attack. The devil might try to attack you, but just because you get attacked doesn't mean you have to lose the battle. When you get attacked, it's a chance for you to use your faith again. And your faith goes up to another level. Because God's anointing you to fight new enemies and take new ground and get new blessing and get new favor. He said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Do you believe it? Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Only fighters. You go watch a football game. And you watch two teams fight it out. Or a soccer game or a basketball game. Whatever you like to watch. Watch two teams battle it out. They'll fight to the end. But you know who also is on the field or the court? The referee. And let me tell you all something. I've watched soccer games. Those guys are in shape. Those guys run. You don't get any timeouts. The field is 150% of the size of a football field. Bigger than a football field. No timeouts. 45-minute halves where you run full blast with no timeouts. And you only get three substitutions for the entire game. You talk about being in shape. Those guys are in shape. But let me tell you all something. Guess who's also in shape? The referee. Because all the same running they got to do, the referee got to do. You watch it. Basketball. Referee has to run up and down the court with his whistle. He's looking for fouls. He's, he's running with those guys. Look on the football field. You got multiple referees. They're all running, which means they all got to be in shape. But guess what? Though they've stepped on the field, though they've stepped on the court, they're not there to fight. They're just there to judge your fight. And so when the end of the season comes and the Super Bowl trophy's held up and everybody gets a ring with diamonds in it, guess what? Ain't no referees getting trophies and ain't no referees 
always getting rings because you got to be a fighter to be a winner. And there's people that have come into the body of Christ. They're not there to fight their own fight. They just want to referee everybody else's fight. I don't like what she did last week. And I don't like how he came to church dressed. I don't like what she said to me in the parking lot. They came to referee. But referees don't win awards. Only fighters win awards. And if you want to hold the eternal life that God's called you to hold, you've got to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. I made up my mind. I'm going to let people run their race. I got nothing to say about your race. It's your race. You run it how you feel. I'll encourage you. I'll give you the word. I'll, if I have to, I'll speak. I'll preach. A, I'll rebuke. But it's your race. I think I'm not coming to your house to tear up your race. I ain't getting on the phone with 13 people saying, did you hear what he did? It's your race. You run your race. I'm too busy running mine to referee yours. See, you know, you know the people that turn into referees are the people not doing busy, busy doing what they're called to do. Woo, I'm preaching good right now. I said I'm preaching good right now. The people that get busy backbiting and gossiping and telling stories and lying on people, these are the people that ain't got nothing to do. They ain't run, running their race. They're not finishing their course. They've been laying back and not doing by faith what God called them to do. And because they're not, they got a whole lot of time on their hand. And the only way to do it and keep the time filled is to jump on your Facebook page and write some comments under your stuff and talk about some DMs on Instagram behind your back. That's how they're filling their time. Not because they're running their race, because they're laying back on what God called them to do. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. I can't control their seasons, but I can control my season by my seed, by my action, by my obedience. Said they'll be like trees planted by the river bank, bearing fruit in how many seasons? You know what that means? Every season. Now, it, it, here's what's cool. Is that in the natural realm, there are four seasons. You know what they are. Winter, spring, summer, fall. And only one of those seasons is set aside as a harvest season. Only one. One of four. 25% of the time. God said, I love you so much that if you'll just obey my word and do what I've called you to do, I'll supersede my own creation and I'll take out the whole one out of four thing and I'll let you have a harvest in every single season of your life. You'll bear fruit in every season. Winter comes, other people are packing it in and getting ready to hibernate. You'll be having fruit produced and getting your harvest in your season. When spring comes and everybody else is doing their thing, you'll still be getting fruit and harvesting in your season. Harvesting in the summer, harvesting in the fall, harvesting in the winter harvesting in the spring new year comes guess what more harvest more fruit more blessing every season of your life will be greater than the last somebody say greater day by day it don't get worse it gets better let me encourage you with a thought it's getting better for you in Jesus name I said it's getting better for you in Jesus name how do I know because when you obey this mighty word it provokes God to action. Yeah. Let me finish with this and show you something here. Sowing is such a powerful ability God gave us. So powerful, man. Because it's an actual weapon he put in your hand to keep on increasing. Yeah. 
prophesied over our brother the other night. He wrote in with a testimony. Remember, we used the phrase, violent increase is coming into your life. Violent increase. And it's still January. We're still in the beginning of the year. But he just, the next day, everybody say the next day. The next day. He signed, I think, two contracts that will give him an extra 27 or close to $30,000, they said, something like that, this year, in one day. I couldn't have done it. Pastor couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it. If he'd have done it, he'd have done it last year. Thanks for the shouts. You know what I'm trying to show you? When God blesses, he's the one that blesses. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And guess what? It's just the beginning of the year. That's just the contracts that are coming in for January. Guess what's coming in for February? Guess what's coming in for March? Guess what's coming in for April? Guess what's coming in for May? Guess the increase that's coming now. Why? Because God don't stop blessing you after a little bit. He wants to bless you that so to, to the degree, watch this, that people have to start turning their heads and seeing what God's... God's not going to bless you in such a small way that it could look like a coincidence that people can sweep it under the rug and think, well, maybe their family gave them some money. No. God wants to bless you to the degree that people who don't even serve Him have have to stop and take a look and look some of them are gonna get mad at you because you're getting blessed let them get mad the bible said they'll get mad said that the wicked would grind their teeth in anger when they see god's people getting blessed but that's good i want them getting angry i want them getting mad when god starts to bless to the degree he wants to bless when they drive by your house and they drive by my house they're gonna have to slow their car way down just to take in all all that God's doing at your house two miles an hour so everybody sees you <laughs> rolling by your house how did he get that car I know I know where he works how she got that truck I don't understand where'd that house come from he must be dealing drugs on the side he's got to be crooked I know he's got a dice game going in the back nope I just serve a God who knows how to provide even when nobody else is getting a blessing my seeds bringing me a harvest my obedience is bringing me increase and my God knows how to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus somebody shout I will be blessed abundantly blessed so blessed sinners will get mad that's right keep getting mad baby let me give you this final thought here sowing gives you the power to change your season. If you don't like where you're at right now, sow your way out of it. You don't like where you're at, sow your way out. Your seed is a vehicle that takes you out of a bad season. Preaching. Your seed is a vehicle that takes you out of a season of lack, poverty, struggle. Your seed is the vehicle. You can ride it out of where you are. Watch this. Let me read you just a little passage here in Genesis 26. Bible said Isaac had to go and his heavenly father, God, told him. He said, look, don't go down to Egypt like your father did. No. Go where I tell you to go. You know, there's a lot of people that they want to just keep doing what's always been done. Because well, that's how my grandmother did it, that's how my father did it, that's how my mother did it, what's good enough for them is good enough for me, and we're going to keep doing it that way. Well, when God speaks, you got to jump outside of tradition. If you're taking notes, this will help you forever. Tradition cancels God's transaction. 
tradition cancels God's transaction. If, if Isaac would have said, oh, I don't care what you say. That's where my dad went. That's where I'm going. I'm going to Egypt where my dad went. You can go there if you want, but God ain't going with you. Because he said, I'm going this way. If you want to come with me, come on. And he said, come with me to Gerar. And he said, uh, I don't know if I should go down there. There's a famine in the land. Why would I plant myself where there's not enough? Why would I plant myself where it looks like everybody's struggling? Why wouldn't I go to a metropolitan area where it looks like everybody's doing good and there's opportunities? Because God told you to. His word's more powerful than the natural circumstances. Woo! Glory to God. Genesis 26, 1 through 3. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Don't go down to Egypt as Abraham had done. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you. See, Here's the key. When God gives you an instruction and you obey it, he will be with you and his power will manifest with you. He said, I'll bless you. For to you and your offspring, I'll give all these lands and I'll establish the oath I swore to Abraham, your father. Now jump down to verse 12 of Genesis 26. He said, and Isaac sowed in that land. That seems crazy. Why would you sow into a land of famine? Why would you sow into a land of famine? In the logical, natural sense, it seems insane. No, 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 don't sow right now. Keep back, hold back, hoard, keep. You're going to need it because of bad times right now. Keep it to yourself. Put it in the account. No, God said sow it. And the Bible says, and he sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man became, what did the man become? What did he become? Rich. What did he become? Rich. Well, brother, God's not interested in riches and wealth. Brother, God's not interested in finances. Oh, really? Because the Bible says right here, God blessed and he became very rich. Well, brother, you know. You know what the Hebrew meant there. It meant he became spiritually rich. Oh, really? Because the Bible says he became so rich that the Philistines envied him. Let me tell you something. The Philistines couldn't see spiritual riches. <laughs> You're so meek and lowly at heart. Ain't what they showed up and said. They showed up and said, you got my gold and my silver and my cattle that used to be in mine, but God put it in your hand and I'm now envious of you. Not only that, the king showed up. When the king shows up at your house, that's like Donald Trump showing up at your house and saying, you've gotten too blessed for America. We're going to ask you to move to another country. That's what happened to Isaac. The king of the nation showed up and said, look, you've become too blessed for us. <laughs> and Abimelech said to Isaac, I love this. Oh, my goodness. I love this. Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. NASB, you are too powerful for us. Lift your hands all over this room. I prophesy to you in the name of Jesus Christ that the power of God's coming upon your life and in 2019, you're becoming too powerful for your enemies in Jesus' name. I said you're becoming too powerful for your enemies in the mighty name of Jesus. You'll be too powerful for sickness, too powerful for disease, too powerful for depression, too powerful for anxiety, too powerful for poverty, and too powerful for lack. In the mighty name name of Jesus you shall be blessed by the power of God somebody shout aloud amen
you shall be blessed. You shall be blessed. When you sow, it opens your doors for increase to come. It just does. Bottom line. You can't stop the blessing of God. You can't stop the blessing of God. Woo, you can't stop the blessing of God. I said you can't stop the blessing of God. Wicked people would love to do it, but they can't touch it because it ain't their domain. It's not. <laughs> you can't stop the blessing of God. I said you can't stop the blessing of God. One of my favorite stories that happened in our ministry, Barrett knows the area I'm talking about. There was a man, maybe he's even watching tonight. I was preaching in northern Maine. And as I was preaching, and I was sitting there preaching on, on the blessings coming on you, I look over, he's a construction worker, I look over and he's sitting on the edge of the pew, just cry, I mean weeping, face red, tear. and I'm not even, you know, I'm not like, I'm just kind of preaching victory, and he's like, oh. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about ugly face crying, you know, when people just cry, but they want to still say reserve, like, I'm talking about uh, 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 ugly face crying, something was happening, I didn't know what it was, but the Lord was talking to him. And see, he had a desire to start his own business. And he went to the boss that he worked for currently and said, hey, I want to branch out and start my own construction company. But his boss told him, now's not the time. You won't be able to get enough work. And he said, uh, you'll have to travel either very south part of the state or out of the state to even get work. And he said, you won't be, you got a young family. You got kids at home. You got a wife. You won't be, you have to stay out. You won't be able to see them. I called him out that night. I didn't know any of that stuff. I said, the Lord said, and I'd never given a word like this to somebody in my life. I said, I don't even know why I'm saying this to you, but the Lord says, God's going to bless you. You won't have to leave town and you'll be home for dinner. I said, thank you, Jesus. That's a word. I received that word in Jesus name. I'm home for dinner. Thank you, Lord. I'm home for dinner. I said, the Lord tells me you're home for dinner in Jesus name. Well, he's crying. Power of God came on him. I didn't even know what he was doing, but he'd been saving money to start his new construction business. And uh, so his boss said, now's not the time. You're going to miss out on work. You'll have to leave town. But the Lord, the reason he's crying like that, the Lord's telling him to empty that account and sow it into the kingdom for the winning of souls. And he's crying. A good seed will make you cry. <laughs> good seed will affect your flesh. And there comes a time in every person's life where you got to make up in your mind, mammon's not my boss, money ain't my boss, I don't serve money, it serves me. And when I sow into the kingdom, it's God checking my heart to see who do you love. Do you love me? Do you love my kingdom? Or do you love money? And that's what the test he was going through. And he began to cry, but I didn't know any of the story. He took it out and began to sow. Sowed the whole amount into the kingdom of God for the saving of souls. Well, he comes back, gives me a testimony, and I mean, I mean, I, I could have danced all over the place. He said, man, and I knew it was good because he had a big smile on his face. He said, let me tell you what God did for me in just one year. Shortly after that, he launched out by faith and started his own business. He said, I, I, I thought by the you know, word of my boss, I wasn't going to get any business. I'd struggle. He said, but I stepped out in my own business. He said, I had so many contracts coming in. He said, I was doing stuff over this side of town. I'd get a call from this side of town, north side of town. He said, I haven't even left town yet. He said, I've been in town. He said, I've been working so much. He said, I have so much 
business that I got to start contracting other people to do my business for me. He said, you know what's been wonderful? I haven't had to leave my kids. I've been home every night for dinner. He said, not only that, as I was working and getting all these contracts, he said, my old boss called me up. He said, business been a little light over here. Got anything you can throw my way? He said, so last week I just contracted my old boss and now he's working for me. Hallelujah. Because God knows how to turn a situation around. And when you sow, it gives you the power to increase to where no man could take you. No company can take you. No government can take you. Hallelujah. Government can't take care of you like God takes care of you. God ain't going to give you government cheese and have you constipated for three days. That ain't how God takes care of you. I said, he don't take care of you like that. Eating stale crackers and having to stand in line with 92 food stamps, counting out coupons at the register while other people got to get to work. You just made them 15 minutes late for work, counting out coupons. No, God don't take care of you like that. God gives you an abundance. He gives you an overflow. He'll bless you so much that you won't just be blessed. Your kids will be blessed and your grandkids will be blessed. And by the time you're done, the Bible said a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. I tell you, your kids won't have to struggle in Jesus' name. Your grandkids won't have to struggle in Jesus' name. For the blessing of God is coming upon you like never before. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to take an envelope in your hand. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord what he would have us to do tonight. Grab one of these envelopes right here. If you're watching online, I want you to sow right in the comments section. You can go and type hashtag donate right in the comments and sow a seed. Or you can use the link right on your screen. Take this envelope in your hand, but don't do anything yet because we always ask the Lord. We say, Holy Spirit, what do you want? See, because he knows the plans he has for us. So I want to follow his plan. I want to follow his voice. So bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, would you speak to every single one of us tonight? Give us an instruction from heaven. We thank you that when that instruction comes, it's guiding us into overflow. That we will never lack for any good thing because of your goodness and your mercy. So tonight, Lord, as we sow this seed... I thank you that a quick increase is coming upon your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Tonight is our night to begin a new season because of our faithfulness, because of our obedience to the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. So speak to every one of us now supernaturally. And this seed's taken us higher. We declare it. We'll never be the same again after this week in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Amen. Begin to take that envelope out if you need to write a check please make the check payable to the church boomerang church they can just write that can they write boomerang what can they write amen boomerang church right on the check you can give by debit card credit card however you want to give tonight god's going to bless you now let me encourage you with one more thought listen to this don't do something you've all always done because if you're believing for god to do something he's never done You've got to step out in faith and do what you've never done. Do something that moves your faith tonight. What does that mean? Some of you, maybe you've never shown $100 in, the, in a service in your life. Tonight's the night to do it. Maybe you've never shown $1,000. The Holy Spirit will speak to you to do it. But do what takes faith and God honors your faith. Can you shout aloud, amen? Hallelujah. Begin to make those offerings ready when you're ready to give. I want you to stand on your feet all over this house and lift that offering to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your blessing.
we thank you, Lord, for your power. We'll never be cursed. We will always be blessed. The head, never the tail. In Jesus' mighty name. Just lift that offering to the Lord. Some of you still making it out. Take your time. One of my prayers is this. It just said, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, oh, please use me to do it. Oh, please use me to do it. That's why we say, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, oh, please use me to do it. together and running over shall you cause men and women to give into our bosom so we thank you lord that's happening now before this week comes to an end we ask you let financial miracles begin to take place like they already have been in the mighty name of jesus and we thank you for it if you believe it somebody shout yes come on and sow your seed tonight in this house we say the lord whatever
God, we just praise you, Father. We worship you tonight. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for just opportunity to partner with you, to give into your kingdom, to win souls, make disciples, Lord, build people up, take them to new levels, Lord, in ministry. Lord, thank you, Father, to be able to partner with you, what you're doing. What you're doing to establish great plans in people's lives, Father. This is how it happens. We sow into it. We partner up. We sow our our time, our resources. We sow our money, Lord, so that you can help build up people, Lord. It's reverencing and honoring you, like Evangelist Ted was saying. It's honoring you. Lord, what an opportunity to honor you. Lord, we, we don't take it lightly. It's a great thing to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You excited? You ready to receive something? Amen. Amen. I think they got something for you. I don't know what that is. that was personal. Not everybody's going to get that, but anyway. I think they wanted to salute you like you've been saluted once before, so (laughs) we love you. You know, one of the things about the kingdom is, I know not everybody got that, but anyway, you may be seated. One of the things about the kingdom is, we're having a good time. We are having a blast this week. It's been so much fun. How many people's sides have hurt from laughing and the joy of the Lord? <laughs> that, that's a good sign. Like we said last night, if we, uh, we do church right, we don't have to go to the gym. Amen? It's so good. And uh, listen, Christianity is not boring. If it's boring, you're not doing it right. You know, When you start seeing increases in one day, one word. One word, and all of a sudden increase comes in that level. You start seeing last night we had somebody instantly healed right while we were praying for them. You know, these are the testimonies we've heard about. There's been others. That, that's just it. It's not boring. It's a, you know, it's a challenge to our flesh. You know, it's kind of like if you go into a gym. If I go into a gym, man, it's a challenge to my flesh. Anyway, there's a, there, there's, it's a challenge to our flesh. But see, God will strengthen us. He'll strengthen your spirit. He's already done it. He's already uh, paid the price for every bit to you to, for you to walk in everything so that when your flesh brings up a challenge in your life, you already know you got the victory. You already know if you're in that situation, you can go through it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. He's always causing you to triumph. Thanks be unto God. He's always leading you to triumph. There's not one situation that you're in that God has not designed a plan to take you to triumph. You are always being led to triumph in God. And if you're missing that, uh, in, listen, have there been times in our life where we have not uh, done that? Sure, sure, there have been times we're growing. Uh, we, we don't miss it a lot, but we have, right? We have missed it. And if you've missed it, just say, look, dust yourself off. Pick yourself up and say, Lord, I'm going to go after you some more. I'm going to get more and more hungry for you. And we're going to have the victory. We're going to have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Last night I hear that uh, we were talking about this afternoon, so you were taking bribes to take me out and tackle me with tacos, I understand. <laughs> if you saw the Facebook post, that was pretty awesome. I get home, and I'm like, man, Ted was taking notes while I was talking there at the beginning. No, he, he, was, he was, which is good, he was, he was talking to people that were watching online from all over the country, really. And uh, one of them was like, he, he said, how much if I tackle Pastor Brian right now? Somebody's like, I'll give you a taco. Like, I, listen, I might have done it for a taco. I mean, we've been fasting, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, my daughter would have done it for a taco, yeah. You better be glad she was here and not watching because she'd have drove here, tackled me for a taco. Yeah, Taco Bell, I'm telling you. Anyway, glory to God. Glory to God. Well... Uh, tonight, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, we have fun and the Lord is fun. If the Lord's not fun, you're missing a side of God. You're missing a side of God. You're missing it. There's many facets. Think about a stone like a diamond that's set in a ring. Uh, the reason why that thing's so bright is because of the multiple facets that it has to shine the glory through it. It's set and cut so that the glory will shine through it. Listen, you have a father who's much more valuable than a diamond and he has facets and many people are missing the fullness of the glory of God. They're missing it because religion has painted the sides of God. He has painted the facets of God and a lot of people have missed the facet of his, of his joy. And they miss it and they're so beat up and what they actually need. How many times have you seen it, uh, Brother Ted, where the very thing that they need, the very thing that they need is the one thing that they don't honor God. You've been talking about honoring God and honoring him in what we do and how we give. That's going to line right up with what I'm talking with tonight. It's beautiful how, how the Lord set this up because we didn't know what we were talking about. But how many times have you seen it? You know somebody needs something as you've gone through ministry. And the very thing that they need, their flesh says, ah, oh, you don't want to go to that meeting tonight. And that meeting is the meeting where the word comes out what they needed, right? I, we see it all the time. All the time. And uh, people don't realize the devil's just pulling their strings like a puppet on a string. And he's just pulling. And it, he does it through our flesh. And we've got to learn to stop letting him do that. He's not in control. He's not the one with power. You're the one with power. And you've got to be the one who tells him where to go. Not he tells you where to go. You've got to take authority over him. You've got to put yourself in the driver's seat, not based on how great you are, but on how great Christ is, what he's done for you, where you are seated with him. Look, without Christ, you couldn't be seated in heavenly places. But in Ephesians chapter two, it says that you are seated in him and he's seated at the right hand of the father. You are seated with him in heavenly faith, in heavenly places. And you must understand that because God said that, that that puts you in the driver's seat of your life and you can choose your seasons like Brother Ted was talking about. You choose those seasons. That says in uh, the scripture he was reading, the leaf will not wither. Matter of fact, the other day we were talking about in Impact uh, University, we were talking over some doctrine and we were talking about seasons and we started talking about, listen, 
Like when we, a lot of people will say Jesus cursed the fig tree. That's really what man said. God allowed them to say it. But that's not what Jesus said. The curse was already in that tree. The curse was already operating in seasons. But if you go back to Genesis, God never said anything about seasons. He said, be and produce. There's one season with God, increase. There's one season with God, production. And when that tree was not producing, it already had the curse in it. What happened was Jesus gave that tree in the spiritual sense. He gave that tree the ability to decide, are you going to produce and drop the curse or am I going to bring that curse to an end in you because now you are affecting people made in my image. You're supposed, because you notice in that, when you look at that, it says it wasn't even the season for figs. So why was Jesus upset with it if it wasn't the season for figs? Because there was was no season in what God created. The curse brought that lack season. See, it said in that verse, the leaves, they will not wither. There's never a season of lack in the kingdom of God. And you are in that kingdom. You are seated with him. Can you imagine going up to heaven, seeing a tree that's designed to produce, walking up to it and like, where's the fruit? You know, like, you know, the old Wendy's commercial. Where's the beef, right? Are there going to be Wendy's trees in heaven? Oh, my, no. Man, I got excited for a second. Taco Bell tree, taco trees. Um, My daughter is in. She's going to heaven for sure now. And uh, amen. So anyway, can you imagine going up to a tree and seeing that tree and it not produce? No, in heaven we can't imagine that. And see, the will of God is designed to be on earth. Our job as ambassadors is to pray and to manifest the things of heaven here on earth, just like they're there in heaven. Jesus told you to pray that way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are designed to produce that. You're designed to be in the driver's seat of your life, to be the ambassador of God in this earth, sent from heaven, but seated with him in heavenly places to bring the domain and the rule of God into this place. That's what it's all about. There's one season, increase. There's one season, production in the kingdom of God. The only way it's been less than that is because the curse was released. But we are redeemed from the curse and we are designed to reverse it in our lives, reverse it in our homes, reverse it in our church, reverse it in our jobs, reverse it in this world. We're reversing that. You're an ambassador. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. All right, well, let's turn uh, to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. And tonight I'm going to give you five supernatural ways to move into the blessing of God. Come on. I'm listening to Ted. He told me some stuff. So once you write that down, five supernatural ways. To move into the blessing. And once you got that written down, you can scratch through that five, because I don't know how many there are. But you just keep writing what we'll do. Whoever comes up with the most ways, you'll win, okay? We can compare notes at the end. But listen, we're talking about God connections, right? God connections. 
God connection. I want you to see this, Galatians chapter 3. Have, have you ever wondered what the gospel is according to God? Like when you hear that word, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Um, if you look here, it's interesting because it tells us very specifically something that God said. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. God now preached the gospel. He preached the good news beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So the gospel is wrapped up in this one sentence. All the nations will be blessed in you. In other words, all the people groups will be blessed in you. The reason, I want you to know, like part of the reason that uh, Evangelist Ted is here this week, and he's my friend, and, he, and he's somebody that I like to be around, you know, you need the input of ministry from a pastor. You need the input from an evangelist. You need it from an apostle, a prophet, right, a teacher. You need all of these inputs. If you just have it always just from a pastor, it's not going to be the fullness that it's supposed to be. That's not New Testament. You need these voices in your life. Here's what years ago now that we've met, uh, this is what I like. Every time we get around each other, he drives me with a hunger to get more in the Word. A hunger. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've been around a lot of ministers and a lot of preachers, and they do not all do that. But I like somebody who's driven by the heart of God. Then, and he's driven so much that he's constantly in that Word. He didn't just read it 17 years ago. He read it today. And he's constantly finding new uh, truths that he has not seen before. He's meditating on the Word day and night. And when we get together and talk, it drives me. I'm like, man, I need to get more in that Word. I need to get more in that Word. I need to get more in that Word. I need to get more. You need people in your life that will do that. I need to get more into the things of God. And, and that's why. But I want you to see something. I'm blessed in my life, and you are actually blessed in this ministry because of a God connection. Yeah. A God connection. Many times people go through life, and right now there's a big theology going around, wrong, it's a doctrine of a devil, is that you don't need church to have a fellowship with God. That is, that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. You might can have a relationship with God, but you do not have fellowship. In other words, relationship means you're linked by something, but fellowship means you hang out. And you got to understand that, like you think about it, God uses these terms uh, when it talks about church. There's a lot of people that think, well, I can have church uh, in, at home watching online. No, you cannot. No, you can't. That is, that is incorrect doctrine. It is wrong Bible. You cannot do that. Why? Because the church, by definition, are the ones that are called out to gather together. It is not biblical. And they're coming to that place to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And they do that by iron sharpening iron. And they do that by being a participant with each other, not a spectator. How can iron sharpen iron if it doesn't come together? How can, how can there be the anointing uh, when we're designed to bring that anointing, that corporate faith into a place. How can, you, how can you be who God's called you to be? Think about this. If you have, can a plant have a relationship, can a plant 
have a relationship with the sun up in the sky. Yeah, it can have a relationship with the sun up in the sky. And the sun will come on that plant. But if that plant doesn't also have a relationship with the soil, that plant is going to die. Because it will dry up because it's receiving not all the nutrients that it needs to sustain life. But when it has a relationship or a fellowship both with the sun and with the soil, then it's in the right balance that God has created it to be in. And it will be being fed by the sun and by the ground that's around it. Now see, one of the things that the Word says in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But God, God, has placed the members in the body just as He desires. Right? It's not how I desire. It's not how Ted desires. It's not how Nicole desires. It's how God desires. It's not how you desire. You may or may not like the place in the flesh. You may or may not like the place where God's planted you. But it's really not about whether or not your flesh likes that place. It's about where does God know that you will be the most productive tree. Where will you be the most productive in the kingdom? It has no bearing on whether or not you like it or not. It makes no difference. And guess what? I don't care whether you like it or not. You might not even like me. I hope you do. But you might not. And you might be called to boomerang. And if, you, if that's the case, I'm sorry and I'll pray for you. And hopefully you'll get over that wrong thinking quick. <laughs> Because of what we're talking about tonight. Because where he places you is the best place for That's you. Right. And he's got, a, he's got a reason for it. Right. Here's the other thing. He says, uh, I believe it's in Psalms or Proverbs. Uh, it says this. I believe it's Psalms. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. They're planted. In other words, how can a tree or a seed be planted if it does not die to that soil? Here's the other thing. If, a, if I plant a corn seed in a corn field, that field has a mission and a vision that's designed for it. And if you are not given, you know, if I'm a corn seed and I get planted in a cotton field, I'm the wrong vision. I've got the wrong vision. My job as the seed is to give myself to the vision where I'm planted. So if your church, if the body's got a call on it, you've got to make sure that you get your vision lined up with its vision or else you're going to be in two visions or division. You're going to be in division. Well, this is not how the kingdom's designed to operate. A division, it will not stand. But see, God said this, you've got to have a relationship not only with the Son, with Jesus, but you've got to have a relationship with the people sitting beside you. And in this verse where God preaches the gospel to Abraham, here's what he says. Now watch, a lot of people, when they get a little bit up, you know, they grow a little bit in their understanding of the things of God, they start to really focus focus on just the relationship with God. And what they don't focus on is the importance of the people that are around you. But God says this, he preached the good news, the gospel, uh, way back to Abraham saying, through you, through a person on the earth, all the people groups will be blessed. Yeah. 
So, so many times the blessing of God by his design comes through the God connections that he's placed in your life. And if you, out of pride or ignorance or whatever, have a God connection that you're supposed to have in your life, but you say, well, I don't even know if I like him. I mean, really, you don't even agree with yourself all the time. How are you going to agree with everybody else? Like, I don't even know if I like the way he talked about that suit the other night. Well, it, it doesn't matter. God's made a connection. I don't care how he talks about it. We're going to be okay. We're going to go after God with everything we got. It doesn't matter. Well, I like the soup. That was cool. And, uh, um, but it doesn't matter what my flesh feels. I've got, listen, he was talking about honor just a second ago. I must honor the plan and the ways of God because his ways are holy. But if I find something, if we trip over you know, a statement or an argument and I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I like Brother Ted anymore. I don't know if I like that church. It's not about whether you like it. It's where did God plant you? Who did he place in your life? Because the blessing comes through the people that are around you. It comes from the sun as well, but a lot of it comes from the people. Many people are saying, God, help me, help me with their eyes to the sky, not realizing that it's the person next to them that has a word for them, not realizing that it's the person next to them in that jail, praising God that breaks the chain off of them, not realizing that you may be the one that breaks the chains off of your neighbor. And so we don't show up where we're supposed to be planted. And all of a sudden, the whole design of God to get the blessing into the lives of his people is broken because we have broken God connections. God connections. God wants to bless you. Do you see the plan of God from the beginning was to get his blessings to people. It was to get his blessings to people. But he said it's going to happen a lot. Not all. You can receive from the Lord by yourself. I've had that happen many times. Many of you have. Not all the time. But there's a lot of times where God will pour through somebody else. And it'll come to you. It's a God connection. It's connections. And I want you to look at this. So if you start looking in Genesis, right in the beginning, when Adam comes there, guess what? There, he has a son. Now, we know about Cain and Abel and that, and that plan. Cain kind of messed up. But then he has another son called Seth. Well, Seth was a blessed man of God. Do you know why? Because the blessing of God was on his father. There was a God connection to Seth. Then we move on down the road and we get to Noah. Now, Noah was God's man. Noah was God's man. And guess what? He had, he had his sons and daughters. He had you know, stepchildren that were in his family. And guess what? They came through the water and did not perish in the flood. Why? Because they were born of Noah? No, because they had a connection to him. Those stepchildren just had a connection to the man of God there and that connection to God's man brought them safely through the, the trouble. It brought them to the place of life. It was God's connection. Now what I want you to see, we're going to look at mostly tonight, is with Abraham. I want you to look at Abraham because all of a sudden God says, hey, this is my man. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12 
and verse 1. Brother Ted was already hitting verses that I had lined out. The Holy Spirit's moving. Like I said, we didn't even talk about it. He's already talking about Isaac. I got those, those scriptures laid out. But look here. This has been God's way from the beginning of time. He said, I'm going to find a person, a man, a woman, and they are my person. It's the man of God or the woman of God. And I'm going to give them vision and I'm going to give them a mission. And then I'm going to draw people to them. There's going to be a planting by me. You understand when it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, that God places the members in the body. When he places us in the body, we have only one decision to make. Are we going to be willing and obedient or are we going to be rebellious? That's the only thing. Are we going to be willing and obedient and plant ourselves where he's placed us? Or are we going to be rebellious and disobedient? That's the only choice. It's not, do I like the place? Do, do I like how short or long their services are? It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with, are we going to be obedient or not? It's just like the tithe. We can learn that same principle with the tithe. That tithe is God's. A 10% of our increase, it is God's. God's. It's not ours. We can either give it back to God and learn and grow in reverence and honor or we steal it. It's one or the other. There is no middle ground there. It's God's. God said it's mine and it's holy. And it was before the law and it is after the law. The same thing happens when he places us in the body. It's not our choice to decide. What, well, I don't, I don't like what they're singing. I don't like that song they sing. Who cares? I don't care if you don't like it. I don't like every song we've ever sang. And I'm the pastor. Who cares? Anyway, you're supposed to worship in spirit and truth. If you're such a big, uh, big mature spiritual person, then you ought to be worshiping in spirit, not in your flesh anyway. Who cares that your mind and your flesh doesn't like the genre of music? Get in the spirit. <laughs> Get in the spirit. I don't care. Will you be obedient to God? See, we've got to get real with this thing. See, a lot of people, they're doing, uh, Ted was talking about this earlier. They're basically, they're basically saying, I want to go do what I want to do. And that's why you're missing the productive increase season of God. We determine that by saying, am I going to be obedient to this or not? Am I going to humble myself to God's word or am I going to act like I know something? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning and growing in God constantly, but here's what I'm learning more than anything else. The more that I learn and, learn and grow in God, the more I find out how big he is. There's so much to him. Paul, the one who wrote over half the New Testament, basically, the one he's, he has over in Romans, he has a couple of verses and he goes, oh, he's just in wonder. Oh, the depths of the riches of God. Like he's sitting there just getting revelation of just how big God is. The moment we start to think highly of ourselves, we've missed the whole point. We've got to say, Lord, you are Lord. You are king. You are the one. And when we will humble ourselves to that, we'll find out he wants us blessed. He wants us rich. He wants us prosperous. But he's laid out ways to get there. 
One of those ways is sowing. That's what he's talking about. But we've got to decide, am I going to humble myself to what God says? Or am I going to, you know, many of us, many of us in America, many of us have have received it like this. We've started to grow up. Some man has taught us what his doctrine is. We never go back to the word to actually check it out and see if it's true. We just believe what mama said and daddy said and grandma said and we just believe that. And the problem is we are now operating on doctrines that are not God expecting God's supernatural to come through. So now the devil's got us working on anti-God doctrine. And then he, he starts to tempt us to blame God for the things he's not doing. And then people get mad at God. Well, God, why didn't you come through on that? God wasn't anywhere near that because you were in a doctrine because you didn't humble yourself to go into this word. Over in Acts, uh, it says that the Bereans were more noble because they would take what was preached, they would go home, they'd start studying that word. And when they, they'd study that word and find out if what he preached was true. They were more noble than others because they would say, is that right? Is that right? And we've got to let the word, you know, it, we've got to let that word correct us, strengthen us. Build us up. And if we'll humble ourselves to do that, all of a sudden we'll walk into places and the blessing of God just be poured out. It'll just be poured out. Now here's Abraham. Here's the plan of God. You see it all the way through the Bible. You see God choose a person of God, a man of God. And all of a sudden he will draw people, plant people in his life. And their blessing and their destiny is tied to that God connection. It's tied to that God connection. Now, there can, be, there can be people in your life, you know, you can have some people and uh, they're not like a direct link of a God connection in your life, but there's somebody who will constantly add to. You may have a friend uh, that just always is encouraging you and building you up and this is a God connection. But not everybody is like a pastor in your life or an evangelist that, that you know and you receive from. Not everybody's like that, but those few that are like that, those are the ones especially we want to make sure because they are anointed by God. And Ephesians says a gift to the body of Christ. They are your gift if you'll see them like that. And then all of a sudden that God connection will take you higher. It'll take you to the place you need to be. So now you look at this. Look at Abraham. It says in Genesis 12, 1, Abraham says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. He's talking to Abraham. I will bless you I, and make your name great. And you, so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. They'll be blessed. What's God trying to get across? Blessing, blessing, blessing. And if people will be a blessing to Abraham, they'll be blessed too. This is God's man. This is his man. He's talking to him. He's going to make covenant with him. He is God's man. He's talking to Abraham. Abraham's talking to him. And this is God's man. And there's people that start to connect with him. And so you look on down and you see in the very next few verses, Lot, 
His nephew connects with Abraham. He says, oh, you're going somewhere? I'm going with you. Well, guess what? As soon as he connects to Abraham, uh, Abram at this point before his name changed, as soon as he connects with him, guess what happens to Lot? Up goes the blessing in Lot's life. Up goes the blessing. Why? Because he's connected to God's man. He's connected. Now, when you connect to God's man, it's not just, it's not just saying, hey, I'm going to hang around. You know, I can hang around uh, people that God's put in my life, but if I never submit myself to them, if I never honor them, if I never, if I don't give myself to what they're saying, will I be blessed? No, the word teaches us that we won't. It's a system where we start to say, Lord, I, I see what you've done. You've put people as a gift in my life, and I'm going to start to honor that. It's through those connections that God makes. Many people miss this in our society today because we've turned into a society that doesn't really honor. That's right. We really have. There's not a lot of honor in the society. And here's the problem with that. Honor is God's society. Honor is God's way. And so if we step out of honor, we're stepping outside of God. Recently, I saw a picture, a friend of mine, I think it was, um, it, well, I know it was over in Europe, but uh, they were having a gathering and uh, the place was packed out. And it was like a book signing or something like that. They were having a gathering of a book signing. It wasn't church. It was, it was a book signing, right? And all of a sudden, uh, here is the prime minister of that country. And he's sitting on the steps beside, there's like rows of seats. He's sitting on the walkway steps. Now, what's wrong with that picture? No honor. This is the prime minister of the country and nobody got up and said, please take my seat. I'm going to stand over here. You, Mr. Prime Minister, take my seat. The word tells us that we're supposed to honor those, not just in the church, but even in the nation, in, in uh, politics. We're supposed to honor those that rule over us. We're supposed to lift them up. And here's this man sitting on the steps over to the side, you know, sitting there like this. The prime minister of the country. No honor. No honor. No culture of honor. Church, we've got to establish a culture of honor. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our homes. It starts in these walls. It starts in you. And if other people don't do it, we've got to decide I'm going to do it. I don't care what, what it looks like to other people. I don't care if it looks funny to them. You know, I, I watched somebody one time. I wanted to sow a seed into a great man of God. And I watched some, I watched somebody else, uh, kind of despise that moment. And it's like, ah, oh, you, you've been hanging around basically people that honor or too much. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, my gracious, I can't let that change in my heart. Well, I've got, listen, I don't care if everybody around me says it's wrong. I got to go back to this word and I got to say, what does God say? How does he say? If he says it's right, it's right. It's right. When I put him first, he puts me first. He puts the things in my life first. Here's Lot. He's hooked up now with God's man. Well, guess what? He starts to get blessed. Genesis 13, 2. Now, Abram was very rich 
in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Why? Because he's God's man. The blessing of God is starting to manifest in his life. And he's very rich. We said that this week has something to do with your finances. If you'll grab a hold of honor, you'll start to see that God wants to take me to places I've not even dreamed of yet. Things I can't even imagine or ask or think yet. God's, that's the places God wants to take you. He wants to take you way above, super abundantly. The verse we were talking about, super abundantly. But it begins with our heart. Because if we don't have an honor to the God connections in our life, you will not walk in the fullness of the plan that God has for you. It won't happen. We've got to get serious with this thing. What kind of honor are we talking about? And you know, what kind of honor is God talking about? He's talking about we should honor what he's doing in every area and every thought of our life. We've got to honor him. Now you see here, it goes on. And let's look at Genesis 13, 5 and verse 6. And look what happens. As they walk together, and here's God's man and somebody who's linked up with them, verse, verse 5 and 6. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Why has he got these things? Because he made a God connection. He made a God connection. There's God connections that God will put in our lives. And in those connections is where the blessing will flow. And then all of a sudden in verse 6, listen to this. This is how blessed they were. The land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. That's how much the blessing manifested. What did it manifest out of? The God connection. In his life. It was a man. It was a person that God had placed in his life. God's man on the earth in this time. What we know today is the father of our faith. And he might not have known. Listen. Do you think that Lot knew? Oh Abraham. Abraham is going to be the father of faith. There's going to be a man called Paul that will write about him. No. Lot didn't know that. Lot knew him as his uncle. Right? See, that's the problem. A lot of times what we do is the man or the person that God's put in our life, God's person in our life, the connection, we just see them as, oh, that's just Ted. Oh, that's just my dad. Oh, that no, there's somebody's dad. There's somebody's brother. There's somebody's uncle that, that made funny jokes that were probably ungodly at some time. You know, there's somebody... That they, this is what happened with Jesus. God's, talk about God's man. The power to heal all. And he comes into Nazareth and they're offended at him. And, he, and they said, isn't this the carpenter's son with all contempt and no honor? He could have healed them all. And the end result was just a few. Just a few were healed. When he could have healed them all. But they had not honored God's person in their life. They didn't recognize him. They just saw, see, they didn't see God's hand at work. They saw with eyes of the flesh. And because they saw with eyes of the flesh, they got out of the move of the spirit. And when they got out of the move of the spirit, 
all of a sudden they moved out of the blessing because they moved out of that God connection. Now, look here, look at Lot. He's got around his uncle. He gets so many, uh, uh, he gets so rich that they can't even dwell in the same land together. And then what happens? Right here. Now, listen, if it's me and I know, we know what's going on now. If it's us looking back at this, are you moving away from Abraham? No. Hey, send my business somewhere else. Send my business somewhere else. But I'm staying with the God connection in my life. I can do my business anywhere as long as I got the blessing connection. God, God's person in my life. Look, I'll send all my flocks and herds and all my business, move to a new town. But I'm not going anywhere because God has planted me. God has placed me. God will show me the wisdom on how to do it. But I'm not going to break that connection. This is, this is a heart of honor. The word says this in, in 1 Samuel 2.30. It talks about, God says this, those who honor me, I will honor but those who, and listen to these words, those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. God says when we don't honor, it is a despising. And it's not just despising of the person. When God has that God's man in the earth, they may be a human, they may have a flesh, they may make mistakes, but the hand of God is on their life. They're called to be that connection in your life. It doesn't matter what you think about them, what you feel about them. If they have God's call in their life and you are planted with them, that is your connection. And when you despise them, you despise God. And God says, you will be lightly esteemed. How many people want to walk in lightly esteeming? No, not me either. But what does that mean? What does that mean? That means we've got to be purposed and intentional to recognize the God connections in our life. We can't sit there and just uh, do like everybody else does. You're called out from a people. You are called out by God. You are the called out ones from where you've been. And it doesn't matter what the whole society is teaching you to do. We've got to move to a different place where we start to say, Lord, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to do it by honoring the connections in my life. This is how I honor you. So you see this with, you see this with Lot all of a sudden. Now watch this. Verse 7 he says, There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's. Now if he, if he esteemed God's man in his life, the connection, if he esteemed him, what would he be doing? Abram, I am so sorry that this has been an issue. I'm going to handle it. I'll take care of this. You don't have to do anything. But is that what we see Lot do? No. What we see Lot do is this. He says, so Abram says to Lot. Now, why is Abram having to solve the issue? Because Lot's not honoring God's connection in his life. He's not honoring. Why is Abram having to solve this? This should be something that, that Lot says, Oh, you're the blessing connector in my life. You are God's man. You're God's connection in my life. How can I fix it? But see, he despised it. He lightly esteemed the connection. 
And all of a sudden, he dishonored it. And now Abram's got to fix it. Lot should have been all over it because he recognized the blessing. And all of a sudden, here's what he says. Abram, Abram, this is why he's God's man. Abram says humbly to Lot, please let there be no strife between you or me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. We're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. If to the right, I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes, saw the valley of Jordan that was well watered everywhere. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like a garden of the Lord and like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for his, himself all the valley of Jordan because it looked good. And Lot journeyed eastward and thus they separated from each other. Now see, if, if Lot is esteeming properly this relationship. He hears Abram say, you choose what you want to. And Lot would back up and say, no, sir. No, sir. No way I'm doing that. No way I'm doing that. You are the, ble you are the connection to the blessing of God in my life. Please, sir. Please, sir, I know you're my uncle, but listen, God's hand is on your life. God's hand is on your life. God's hand is on your life. You make the decision. Whatever you want to do is what I will do. You take whatever land looks good to you. Please, I listen, I would not even be here if it was not for you. I would not be so blessed and rich if it was not for you. I would have nothing. I'd be back in that land. I would have never even been rich about if it was not for you please Abram whatever you want whatever you see fit to please do that and I'll do whatever you tell me to do why because you are God's man and you are my connection to the blessings of God and I'm going to honor you but that's not what Lot did it's not what Lot did now we know the rest of the story we know the rest of the story where this is the moment isn't it where the things start to go south for Lot. This is the moment where he comes and he finds himself in the middle of a battle between uh, kings and his whole family and household gets taken captive. This is the moment where he finds himself in a city that is so perverted that God burns it to the ground with fire and brimstone. And it all starts at a lack of esteem of the God connection in his life. It all starts from a lack of honor and not honoring that person. Listen, you may, you may, we're talking about, you were talking about honor in, in the offering. People don't realize it, but many times that honor is what God is up to. And what God is up to is he gives a vision to a man. He gives a vision to his person here on earth. And we are called to be a part of that. And that is how you honor God. And as you honor God like that, all of a sudden the blessing of God starts to operate in your life. Hand me a mic real quick. Paul, come here. Talking about the, the testimony with the, uh, with the construction. Now, Paul, and, and I don't want you to give the whole thing. I just want to basically yes or no questions so we can move on. But now, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, right? Uh, about, about, 
I don't know, nine months ago or so, you started your own construction business, right? Yep. And then in that moment, and you came to that place because you were going another direction. But you said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to meet with Pastor Brian and Nicole. We sat down at dinner. As we sat down at dinner, you saw things like this. But as we sat down, that blessing came in and you started to see there's a bigger plan, right? Is that right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, and you're telling me now... You're telling me now because you're starting to see where you couldn't even see it then. But because you honored that relationship, all of a sudden you're starting to see now it's a lot bigger plan than oh, yeah. you ever thought of, right? Oh, yeah. God's taking your thinking to another level and you're seeing a great and mighty plan of God in your own life. And it was hinged on one moment where, and listen, and, and I'll, he'll be honest with it, but listen, did you think before we talked, did you think you had it figured out? Yeah, I thought I had it figured out. <laughs> Everything made sense in the flesh. Everything made sense. But you honored that connection where God's planted you. And all of a sudden it opened up and now you're seeing a great and mighty plan of God. And then just a few months ago, the Lord told me to ask him something. Hey, We've got something I want you to do. And the Lord told me to ask you to commit the time and the resources to do this, right? Yeah. And when I did that, what did your flesh say? Uh, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty, yeah. But then what choice did you make? Chose to honor what you had asked me to do and honor him and give my time to him. Because if I give my time to him, then he gives it back. And what happened almost immediately? Within four days, I had like seven jobs come in. And as I was actually setting up for that event, I had three jobs call me that day. <laughs> so <clears throat> what I'm saying is when we start to honor God, all of a sudden God can get involved. When we start to honor God, God can get involved. It wasn't that logic looked like it could work. It was that he said, listen, I know somebody who's carrying the blessing in my life because of where I'm planted. And I need to sit down and let's hear what the Lord has to say about that. And as you did that, all of a sudden the things of God opened up. Yeah. And now just real briefly, just say this this. Say, how big did your vision open up? And now you've seen more of your destiny and plan. Like if what you saw before was a one, what are you seeing now? Oh, we're, we're totally off the scale. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Why? Because that's how God has connections in our life. And here you see Lot. Do you know what Lot could have had? Have you ever thought about what could he have had had he stayed connected? Who? What could he have had? What can you have when you stay connected with God's plan? What can you have when you stay connected? But listen, many times that person that's in your life, that's God's person in your life, they don't look like what you think they're going to look like. Matter of fact, Jesus, they thought Jesus was coming in on the white horse to take over Rome. But he didn't look like that. But he did so much more. He had so much more. But he didn't look like what they thought he was supposed to look like. And he was the very son of God. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. 
See, this is where the devil many times tries to attack your logic is because he gets you to start thinking in the flesh and not seeing what, what's actually going on in the spirit. You don't watch from with spiritual eyes. You watch in that reasoning, in that area of reasoning where you start to reason everything. And that's exactly what the devil used in the garden. And he got them out of the reasoning. They got, he got them or into the realm of reasoning and got them out of the blessing. And that's how he started strip their glory. That's how he stripped their blessing. And he's still playing the same game today. And people are falling for it in the church by the thousands. That's right. We've got to put on a heart of honor. So we, we see here that now all of a sudden, here's God's man. He goes after, he says, Lot is my kin. He's my kin. Right? And all of a sudden, he goes after, he says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to go after him. Abram, Abram takes just his household, his household with an army and beats down five kings. Gives them the wisdom, the anointing. Gives them, why? Because he's God's man. And Lot gets saved. Why? Because he's being so honorful? No, just because he happened to have a physical connection to Abram. Abram's like, I'm not going to let that happen. Did he get saved because he was Lot and he was rich? Did he get saved because, you know, no, he got saved because of Abram. It was God's connection that saved him. It was the anointing on God's man in his life that saved him. You'll see all through the Bible that it's the connection of God. You go on from there and you start to see uh, that he meets. And what is it? Who is it that he meets after that battle? He meets the king of Salem, Melchizedek. He meets that. And then right there it tells us that when he meets Melchizedek, Abram is blessed even more than he was blessed before. Why? Because of a God connection with the high priest of God. Abram has his own God connection. And Abram says, ooh, I recognize who you are. They come, they meet. It doesn't give us any indication that they had met before. But Abram says, ooh, I see the hand of God on your life. I recognize who you are in my life. And what happened? He comes up to, he comes up to Melchizedek and says, here is a tenth of all. In other words, he tithes to him. He says, I just got this battle. I recognize I'm going to honor you. How does he honor? How did he honor? He said, hey, here's stuff. Here's stuff. Here's, here's me, whatever it is, here's me, I'm honoring you. You notice Melchizedek wasn't like, I'm not going to take that filthy lucre, that that money is so evil. No, 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 no. He received it because this is God's way. This is a way of God. Whether you like it in the flesh or not, it is God's way. It may not make sense to you. You might not have been raised that way. It is God's way. It's his way. And Abram honors him. And he honors Abram by releasing some of that blessing. Then all of a sudden, watch this. We go on down. This is is one of the most amazing things right here. He says in Genesis uh, 15.1, he says, After all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Now, let me ask you this question. He's a shield. Your reward. Watch this. Who's God talking to? 
Who's God having a conversation with? See, you don't hear this about Lot. You hear it about Abram. This is his man. He's given vision to him. This man is connected to God. And when you get connected to God, you carry a blessing on your life. You carry an anointing. And you carry a vision to get things done. God's setting up. He said, this is my man and he is my covenant man. I'm going to make a covenant with him and this blessing will last for the rest of time. Now we, probably in that time, they didn't realize the greatness of it. But here we are, thousands and thousands of years later, still talking about this man who had a covenant with God Almighty. And now we are blessed in our lives because of this man. Who's God talking to? Genesis 15, 17, and 18. God cuts covenant with his man. And did God have to cut covenant with Abram? No. God said, I'm, I'm making a decision. I'm making a choice of my own will. I'm choosing to partner with a man. God can partner with anybody who will honor him. Because when you honor God, even if it's through a God connection in your life, what you're doing is saying, I'm following the thread of the blessing of God. And I might be connecting to that man. I might be connecting to that pastor. But what's happening is I'm following the thread of God and I'm going to honor him. Just like Abram cut covenant here. And all of a sudden you get connected and the anointing of God in Psalm 133, it rolls down from the head from Jesus Christ who was full of the anointing. It rolls to the beard, to the elders. And all of a sudden that anointing to break every yoke, that anointing that sets you free, that anointing that takes the captive and says, you're free, you're at liberty, that anointing. And you connect to it because you honor God. It goes all the way to every person of the body that's connected. That's connected. You got to be connected. Let me, let me just, you know, who's the head of the church? Jesus. Jesus. I mean, his last name, you know, is not Christ. His last name is not Christ. Jesus Christ is an identifier that he was the anointed one of God, that he carried the anointing of God. Jesus the Christ was saying he's the man of God that carried the anointing to set every captive free. He is the man of God. And you got to understand that he's the head of the church. And in Psalm 133, we see the flow of that anointing. Listen, if you've got men in your life, life and they, they can be a pastor. They can be saying they have a call of God on their life. But if you don't see the anointing of God flowing through their life, I got to ask you this question. Are they connected? Right. Are they connected? Because if they're connected, they'll carry the oil. But if they're not connected, there'll be no oil. And do you want somebody in your life that's not carrying the oil? This is why the devil is after the anointing of God. Because he knows that if they can get connected to the oil, they'll be free. 
So he tries to get people to sit in a place where it's comfortable, where their flesh is happy, where it's lukewarm water, and you can just sit in that lukewarm bathtub all day long, but it won't do you no good. It won't set you free. You'll just hear that preaching. It won't do anything for you, but make your flesh feel good. But we're not here to make our flesh feel good. We're here to submit our flesh, and you need to be around some people who will challenge you. This message tonight, I know, I can feel it. It's challenging you to come up to another level. That's why we're kick-starting this year with the anointing of God. We're kicking it off in a place of blessing. But we don't do that by simply talking about it all the time. We do it by connecting with a spiritual anointing, not a fleshly comfort zone. We get to the place where we say, look, I'm getting real with this thing, and I need my year to be different from the year before. This 2019 cannot be like 2018. And I declare it's different. It's going to be different in my life. I will be connected. I will be in honor and humility. And I, we're going to kickstart it. We're going to kickstart it. But do you think that it just happens just by sitting no. Check the church box all you want to. There's a plenty of churches you can check the box. Won't do no good for you. No good. Why? Because you're not growing in that anointing to set yourself free and others free. You need people that are carrying the anointing of God. You need people that are carrying the fire of God. You need people that will challenge your flesh. Your flesh has been the thing. Those that live by the flesh, the end of that is death. It's lack. The end of all of that is the stealing and killing and destroying of the blessing of God. You need somebody who will challenge you. Who pull you up out of that and tell you, look, you might not feel like you can do it, but you can do it. And here's some anointing from your God connection in your life. And take me by the hand and let's get some of that anointing on you. And let's rise up out of that pit that you've been in. And it may feel like, well, I've been paying all my bills and everything's been good. And listen, you've got so much more than that because you have Christ. You're not designed just to pay your bills and, and, and check off a, an easy life. You are designed to take ground in this kingdom, to be the ambassador of God. You are designed to put on his glory and to carry it and set the captive free. You are designed as a believer to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You are designed to cast out those devils. You're designed to pull up those souls straight out of the fires of hell to win souls, make disciples. That's what you're designed to be. You're designed so that when somebody comes so close that your shadow can touch them. The healing of the Lord is so overflowing. The anointing is so overflowing that they just get up. That's every believer. Not just the pastor. But if you don't get around the God connection in your life, you won't be carrying it. You won't be carrying it. You won't be carrying it. We've got to put the flesh down and let God take us to new heights. God's talking to Abram. Then all of a sudden you see this. You see Abram slip a little bit. His wife says, God promised you a son, but I, I'm barren. I can't give you a son. And all of a sudden uh, the wife comes up with the idea. And it's, it's kind of funny looking at it now, but I imagine it wasn't too funny then. It's like, hey, here's my servant. Have a, have a child with her, Hagar. 
And all of a sudden she gets pregnant. And, and just read this. This is so important. Uh, Genesis 16.4, we'll read it in New Living just so it makes easy sense here. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became preg pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. In other words, she started to dishonor Sarah. In other words, she's like, I'm pregnant, you can't be. And she started snubbing her nose to Sarah. Abram's wife. And then all of a sudden, Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> no comment. Moving on. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt or dishonor. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied to Sarah and said, look, she is your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So, I mean, can you imagine the hell that came to bear on Hagar's door? Like, Abram gave her permission. Let her have it. That's basically what he said. Oh my goodness. And so she did. So much so that it wasn't long. And Hagar was like, I'm out. Peace. See ya. Right? Same thing. Now, here's the question. What's the blessing connector? Abram. And Sarah. So now watch. She's sitting there. She's going away now. Verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7. Look at this. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness and by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar. Now listen, she's already left Sarah. But look at what the angel, it, she had made a choice. I'm leaving. But notice what the angel, the messenger from God said. Hagar, Sarah's maid. His words put her right back in that place. Why? Because he's trying to get a blessing to Hagar. He's saying, look, I want to bless you. Why? Simply because you were in the family of God's man. You were in the household of God's man. And now you're bearing the child of God's man. And even though you were treated with such harshness that you, you felt like you had to run away, I'm not letting you go away. Why? Because I'm trying to get you back into the blessing. And even though she was getting treated harshly, look at what this angel from the throne room of God said. Where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And he said in verse 9, then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. This is the word of the Lord coming to her. Why? Because he's trying to get her back connected to the blessing. I don't care if you've been treated harshly. I don't care if that has come to that place where you feel like you've got to go away. You've got to understand that you have a connection to the blessing of God. And that blessing of God is not out here on your own because you got offended. That blessing of God is with the people of God. And you need to get yourself back to that house. And not just get back to your, that house, but you need to humble yourself and submit yourself. But she's treating me harshly. I don't care. That's where your blessing is, Hagar. Yep. Well, she's just being really rough on me and it's not my fault. 
I don't care. They're a connection to the blessing of God. That's your place. And go back. And don't just go back and just be like there and be still full of contempt. Go back and get there and submit yourself. How many times can we learn that in our own life? How many people have ever been at a place, don't raise your hand, where you've been at a place and you didn't feel like submitting yourself to the place where God had you? But yet that's our blessing connection. God's plan is better than our plan. And we've got to submit in that way. And why? Because he's trying to get a blessing to us. So then Sarah's blessed. And look, look at this. He says, uh, he's talking about Ishmael because Ishmael was the wrong son and he was going to have Isaac. He says in Genesis 17, 20, he says, for Ishmael, I, he's talking to Abraham. I have heard you, Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless Ishmael. Why? Because it's Ishmael? No, because I've heard you. He's the blessing connector. He's the blessing connector. Then all of a sudden it says, uh, Abram, he's been 24 years going after God. And then he, he goes down there. He's getting ready. Uh, he's getting ready here, Genesis 18, 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I've chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So that the Lord may bring upon Abram what he has spoken about him. In other words, God's saying, this is my man, and although I can do whatever I want to do, should I hide it from Abraham? No. He's saying, this is my man. This is where the blessing comes through. I'm going to make him a part of whatever I do. Why? Because he's the man that I've called to carry the blessing into this earth. Yeah. I want to tell you something. Listen, you are in the family of God if you know Christ. And you can be carrying that blessing even in your home, in your work. You remember Joseph? He goes into Potiphar's house. The whole of Potiphar's house wasn't even in the family of God. But the whole of his house and his business, what? It went up because Joseph was God's man. You are God's people, but you walk in that blessing yourself by being being humble and committed. Remember Abram, God's man, but didn't God send even another man, Melchizedek, and say, submit yourself to him because he's got a blessing for you. And so Abraham then submitted himself and gave that. No matter who we are, we are connected in the family of God. We've got to know that we're carrying that blessing ourselves because we're in the family. But no matter who we are in the family, there's people in our lives that will draw us up to higher places. There's people in our lives that are carrying that covenant. They're carrying that blessing in our lives. And our job is not to run from them because we had a disagreement or we didn't like what they said. Our job is to say, Lord, who have you put in my life to help me come to the place of that blessing? It's the connections of God. It's the connections of God. I know, I know from your story, you've had so many people where God has put people in y'all's lives. Where God has connected you. And people have laid hands and imparted into your lives. And all of a sudden everything starts to change. Same thing I've seen. Why? Because they're a connection to the blessing in our lives. They're the place where God has planted us. He willingly, God willingly partners with his covenant man. And then we see that Lot is saved. 
Look at Genesis 19.29 in Sodom and Gomorrah. The cities leveled. And look at what it says here. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered who? Abraham. Not Lot. He remembered his man, Abraham. There's many people walking in a mercy that they don't even know about. And it's not because of what they did. It's about who they were actually connected to, at least on the small level. But if we will get connected to God's man in our life, all of a sudden we'll find that we're not just connected on a small level. We'll be connected on huge levels. And it comes as we decide to honor in that way. And then it goes on, you see that Abimelech is blessed. Why? Because of Abraham. Ishmael's blessed because of Abraham. Isaac is blessed because of Abraham. You see that the blessing of God starts to pass. And then when Abraham passes on, that same blessing is passed on to Jacob. Why? Because that same blessing, there was a connector of each one in their lives where the blessing of God passed down. This is God's way. Remember the stories over in the New Testament. It says that Jacob is, Jacob's blessed, Joseph's blessed, Potiphar's blessed because of Joseph, Pharaoh's blessed in Egypt because of Joseph, Elisha is blessed because of Elijah, Peter is blessed in his boat because of Jesus, right? He just, he doesn't even, he's not even committed to Jesus yet, but Jesus says, hey, I know you fished all night, but push your boat out. And Peter says, okay, and so he pushes his boat out. He helps, he helps Jesus with his ministry. Jesus preaches. All of a sudden they get done. And he says, Peter, cast your net on the other side. Cast those nets on the other side. Peter throws that out. He gets such a catch. It starts breaking his net. It's so full. Starts sinking the ship. This is the kind of blessing. Why was Peter walking in that blessing? Because there was a God connection that just preached from his boat. He didn't know who he was yet. He didn't know that he was the connection but that one connection by being obedient to his word it blessed him so much we read in another thing that he's so blessed with that catch that he calls his partners and he says hey you guys who are in business with me come over here and their boat gets blessed why because they had a connection with Peter who had a connection with Jesus God sets up these connections and then we see over in uh, Philippians where Paul says this. He said, Paul says to his partners, he says, you have communicated with me to help me spread the gospel. And then he says this, and the grace that's in my life, you become partakers of that grace. So all through the Bible, from the beginning to the end, there's connections that God has made for us. There's connections. There's God's people that he's called, that he's given vision to, and then he's drawn people to those places. And we have to decide, who are we going to honor? How are we going to honor? Are we honoring them at the right level? And I don't care what level you get to in this kingdom business. You can never let go of that honor. You can never let go of those connections. You've got to say I'm going to honor him no matter what. I'm going to honor God as I honor the people that he's placed in my life. I'm going to honor God as he's, as I honor the connections that God had because his blessing is not just straight from heaven to me all the time. His blessing is through others. It comes through a person on this earth and rolls over in that. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying through you, 
all the nations or all the people groups would be blessed. Are we honoring correctly? Have we honored correctly in this way? Can our year be totally different? Can our year go to new heights as we decide to say, Lord, you've got people in my life. You may be sitting there going, I don't know who it is in my life. Just ask the Lord, Lord, who is that person in my life? Who are those people that you would have me connect to? Who are the ones, and here's a good indicator, who's the ones that are carrying the fire and the anointing of God? Who are the ones you're seeing where the power of God's being released on such a level? You can tell that the hand of God is on their life. Who are the ones, not that will tell you everything that your flesh likes or preaches a message, you know, just that you'll get up and jump and shout to, but one that actually challenges you to walk a higher life in God that says, I've got to come up to another level. I can't just sit here and amen and not change. You've got to have somebody that will challenge you and draw you up to that. Who are those people in my life? Not the ones who make it easy, but the ones who actually challenge me to stretch myself, submit the flesh, and move to the places of God's anointing in my life. And then when you find those places, you don't just run on them simply because there was a situation you didn't like. You start to say, you know what? No, I know where God's placed me, and I'm going to honor God. This message tonight, it's it's come across a lot heavier than I had it in my mind before. But here's, here's what I've found with that over the years. That when we get to that place, that's exactly what we needed to hear. That's exactly what we needed to hear. I can tell you in myself, even as I'm preaching this message, man, the Lord's challenging my spirit. He's challenging my spirit to come up to a higher level in that honor and to connect, to give myself to the vision that he's given to me and and not just shrink back from it, but to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And as we move to that place and we give ourselves on that level, all of a sudden the exploits of God, the great and mighty things of God become available. Many times what happens is we've not given ourselves to a culture of honor and what we have is a whole bunch of individuals out there trying to do all their different things. But if they would come together, they could be such a force against the kingdom of darkness. But there's no unity. It says, and we talked about it in Psalm 133, it says there that when we come together as unity, it's like the place where God commands the blessing. In other words, the blessing released is different from the blessing commanded. The blessing commanded, you can't stop. That's the place of unity when we'll say, Lord, I'm going to honor you in your things. God has a God connection. In Revelation chapter 2, he tells us, there's this church doing great and mighty things. Great and mighty things. And all of a sudden, they're doing this. I mean, it's almost like a picture-perfect church. But he says this, you've left your first love. You've left that first love. You know what that first love is? That first love is intimacy with your God connection, the man Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You've left that first love. 
And all of a sudden, when we leave that first love, he says, look, repent and go back to it. Make sure that you honor the God connection of Christ in your life. We've got to get back to the place where we, where we think about him all the time. We spend that time in intimacy with him. Make sure that we are connected to the head at all times with Jesus Christ. But we do that not only in our personal time at home, but we also do it when we honor each other and the people that God's put in our lives. Let's make sure that we get to that place and that the blessing of God stays on us at that place. Just stand with me tonight. And just bow your head and close your eyes. It's so interesting how nights can be so different. Last night, nobody could hardly sit in their chair. And tonight, everybody's like, oh my goodness. If you were challenged by that message, will you just raise your hand right now? Like, Lord, I need to, I need to up this. Just keep them up so I can see them. But I need to honor those connections in my life. I need to honor those relationships and those fellowships. It starts with Jesus Christ. It starts with honoring Him. I just want you to come down right now. If you, if you just come down to the altar and let's just make a covenant with the Lord. You're God's people. He's calling you to greater heights. He wants to get his blessing in your life. And it's time that we made some decisions. Lord, I'm going to honor you in everything that I do. And let's just agree on this together. Let's say, Lord, right now I'm choosing. I'm going after you with everything I got. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. But I need to honor you the way that you've called me to honor. You've designed me to honor you and honor the connections and your people in my life on a level that's different, that's higher. God's drawing you up to higher places. Just say this with me. Say, Father, right now, I just give you me. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I'm not making excuses for my flesh anymore. You're the director. You call the shots, and I'll be obedient. I believe you died for me. And I believe that you were brought back to life by God. And when he raised you up, he raised me up. And I'm no longer in that grave. I'm no longer disconnected. But I'm in the blessing of God. Jesus, fill me. Overflow me. With your Holy Spirit and fire. I'm not leaving here the same. I'm a carrier of your blessing. I'm a carrier of your honor. And I'm going to do something about it. 
empowered by you to live a God kind of life. Empowered by you to do exploits. To tell the flesh no. And to be a carrier of the anointing of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. This is your year. We're kickstarting that year to a new level. It's not going to be the same. The blessing of God's coming down. The blessing of God is coming down. It's, it's generating right through you, right through the Holy Ghost, through your spirit. It's beginning to manifest now. The scripture that uh, Ted was reading earlier, Jesus said, I will disclose it. I will manifest it to you. I, he's manifesting now. Just raise your hand with me and receive. I'm receiving now. He's manifesting now. His goodness, His mercy, His healing. His protection, His prosperity. Say it with me. 2019 is my year. It will not be the same. I will be operating in honor. I will be moving by the Holy Ghost. And I will see the things of God. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God.